Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk some dry corn and about some tips on when to start. In our spotlight, we'll look at edible plant-based vaccine studies. Egg History Minute, we'll have a brief history of the combine. And I wrap it all up with cool beans that's corny. So with me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. I will say it makes for exciting football, but I'd be just as happy if they would be in a position to win the game without <laughs> having having to wait for the last 37 seconds. Old missing crossbar coming in clutch. Watching again, there the guy was really close to blocking. It was that. inches. Yeah, yeah no, I, I mean, I, watching it in real time, I was like, "Holy crap, that seemed really close!" But it kind of debunks the narrative that Rodgers can't. You know, go on a game-winning drive. I didn't know that was a narrative. A long while back, it was. I know that it was. That's 20. when our defense was bad, and he'd take them for a game-winning drive, and then they would just give it right back. Yeah, we take. He'd go for a game-winning drive with like a minute and a half left, right? And then we just we'd have the thirty seconds, and then he they they would give it up, and then he'd get the ball back with twenty-seven seconds and right. have to figure it out. Right. And there's the added bonus of no timeouts. So he had to spike the ball twice yeah, on that, that, was crazy. that drive, yeah, too. We, we did that to ourselves, too, though. Like, we kind of... Yeah, well, but that and it, everybody's blaming the coach, out. but he just did a... It was Rodgers took two of them, and coach did one on a challenge and lost the challenge. Which I was kind of surprised he lost the challenge. I was, too. And yeah, on the radio I mean, and on the TV, they were very surprised that he lost the challenge. It was a... It's that whole whatever's called on the field is going to... It's really a 60-40. Whatever's called on the field gets 10%. Right. They they said that basically, like, the longer it goes, the more likely it is to stand. Yeah. But and it took forever for them oh, to review sure. it. Because so. it has to be indisputable. So right. They, the first time they watch it, it should be like, oh, that's wrong. And otherwise, it's not going to happen. So. Yep. Whatever. It was great officiating game. You didn't even notice the officials. Not at yeah. all. <laughs> No pass interference. They were no, bad. Oh, that was brutal. They, when, no when, roughing the quarterback. They were bad, and they were bad both ways. It just it was a lot more inopportune when it happened. When to us. Jair got the roughing the quarterback, that he basically like, it yeah. just he ran into was, him. Didn't even knock him down. No, it, right. I just don't even know. They, they, if you're on defense, what can you do anymore? And they're trying to like stop and they, hold it up, and they're still calling stuff. They tried to defend the officials on the broadcast and say like Jair's not normally a guy who hits the passer. So yeah, it was Collinsworth. He's like, oh yeah, oh, so he doesn't know, know to stop or how oh, to stop sure. himself or whatever. It's like he's like these D linemen. They got it under control. They got it figured out the way the rules work now. You know, they and do, and then they get called. Look at look at the week one where um, oh, Zedarius. Yeah. He did everything they wanted. He hit him. He landed underneath. The he landed on the and side the of him. On top of him. Yep. Like yeah, he like did everything. He hit him at the shoulder, not with his head. He. Didn't drive him to the ground. He rolled over to the side. Didn't even caught him. Man, yeah. Like and now Zadarius is not playing in protest. Probably not. Yeah, he's actually hurt. But you know, I just he made that <laughs> tackle and then never played again. But I had a, I had a feeling when they gave up that right at the end of the half, like that's gonna. 
come back to bite their butt. Like no, the, they that the shouldn't have happened. Grabbed that momentum and kick, kick returns this weekend did not help us. That was the turning point in the Badgers game. Yeah, to lose yeah, to Notre Dame was a kick return, and then the that Packer game, like you say, when he had that long kick and Mason. Kind of knocked him out, which was cool right, to right, save right, just save being a touchdown. If it was a, if it was but, a punt last year, that wouldn't have happened. JK yeah. would have just pirouetted. <laughs> um, I thought that uh, I thought the Packers looked like a high school football team that got hit in the mouth, and they just kind of backed down. Yeah, coming out of halftime, like yeah. they just didn't look like they. It seemed like they thought we could put them away, and then when they scored right before half, it was like when they came out, it was like tails tucked between our legs, like. Yeah. All of a sudden, it was 17 nothing, and all of a sudden, it's 17-14. And you're like, oh, uh, crap. Did you see who Rodgers hugged right after Crosby made that kick? Which I didn't even recognize the guy, because I'm like, who's that guy that he's hugging? It was Joe Barry. He was like, yeah, those two right away were, was the D coordinator. I thought the defense played well for a while, and then they played really well. They did really well up till the end of the first half. But that's Shanahan. They're coaching against a really good other team coach. I mean, you're... To go for it on fourth and like do what he did, that's. Do you want to know the best part about the defense on Sunday? What's Kevin King was hurt, so he yes. couldn't even screw it Stokes up. Stokes looked great. Yeah. He did look great. And the the old line did really well for being being done. I was, yeah. I was really happy with LeFleur's play call. Like, he knew he didn't have an offensive line that was going to be able to sit back there and pass protect, so let him be Maulers, move yeah. forward. Yeah. Like, they were double teaming. They were doing a lot of different stuff that worked. A lot of stuff was moving forward, get the ball out quick. Did you see how many times Tanyan just leveled Bosa? No. At oh, least three. Yeah, really? well, yeah. yeah, they basically made – I mean, not that Bosa didn't get pressure a couple times and stuff, but in other games against the 49ers, all you heard was, oh, there's Nick Bosa again, <laughs> and this this time it wasn't the case. Yash Nijman <laughs> is a beast. He played really well. Like, he is he an undrafted rookie, or is he in his yes. second year? What's his story? Second, second year, he was practice Kay. squad last year. Yeah, does that sound right? Anyway. No, he sounds he like – and they really said well. he's like one of those guys, stays late, studies, does this – I yeah. thought he played. I mean, he's not David Bakhtiari, but not many people are. I think you got to find a way to get that guy in the in the rotation. But then again, we're, I mean, we were down three starting offensive linemen yeah. last week. Three starters and a backup, so we're down four. And, and, two, and had two, the best offensive line performance of the year. And so. your two best ones with Bakhtiari, Bakhtiari out already. And but, Elton Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah. That, that Devondre Campbell, though, called it after the first game. That guy's a beast. Yeah. He's fat. Like. He good. slowed down a little bit, I thought, yeah. against the Niners. Like it, they started to expose him a little bit that he's not a he's not oh, a natural he, playmaker. No, he can't cover Kittle, like that's for no. sure. But he can get from like he reminds me when you know who was it two year, couple three years ago we had that was just like good. Blake Martinez. Blake, yeah, he reminded me of Martinez. Where like you could except count on him back so, there, and not so small. No, I, I think we got somebody that's good. At the line of scrimmage. You know what was was years, really bad so. though is when. Uh, Ty Summers came in. Oof. Ty Summers, man. I think I think that experiment's over. Put He's him at special teams. Too small, too slow. I mean, he just he got exposed over and over again. I don't know. I think we're done with that experiment. I hope we're done with that experiment because that was hard to watch. <laughs> and I liked him. I wanted him to be good, but he just yeah. So yeah, it was good. Good week. I, I like what you put on here, Bill. Of forty uh, niners minus thirty seven equals twelve. Yep. 49 minus 37, uh-huh. 37 seconds, seconds. Yep. equals 12. 12 did it. So, if, you know, he needed all 37 of them. 
He he did, but that second spike though, that was like clutch by him. Is he knew he had enough yards. He looked up. It was about nine seconds oh, really? or seven ish. Sure. And he he waited about two before he snapped and spiked it. So he like think like any other quarterback, you're rushing as fast as you can, yeah. you know. And he was make sure there's no false starts, you know. Snap it. It's three four seconds that'll tick off. Right. But seven. No, you you left. still might have a kick, which. I, I not that it could have changed the game, probably, but still, that he thought of with our special teams, right? You wouldn't that. want to squib it because then the way no. they ran it back the the one time, and then and it's cool that he was passing in the middle that he knew he had enough time to spike it because most teams at that point, I thought they'd have to pass be, to the side, going to the sideline. Yeah. yeah. Well, Devontae did say on Monday, right? They played Sunday night, so Monday he said like. Yeah, it would have been nice for me to get out of bounds there. Like I, that would have been preferred, but you know, sometimes it just doesn't work, and that's why you got twelve back there, man. He figures. A bunch it out. of them said, "Why did the fire? Like, why did the Forty ers even tag him? Like, just let him because Devontae sure. kind of slid down and yep. just. But the whole, it took ten seconds for everybody to run up to spike it. So in that time too, yeah. he would have either got up and ran it, or you know, it, it was well, like the clock. I, the clock would stop anyway if he gives himself up. Long enough for them to reset I, the chains and the well, they don't in no, no not in, not in pros. NFL. What? There's no reset chains College. in NFL. Oh, yeah, there's, yeah. Right, there's yeah. not. Mm. Pros it goes. Pros is so kick, if the refs kick, are kick, slow, kick. you just lose the. That's why you don't put the ball down either. You like if you notice, run it to him. Yeah, he got up. Um, Adams got up, put the ball, and handed it to the official because the defense will be stupid and lay on it or grab right. it or something, kick it. And take the fifteen yard penalty. What do you care? Right. Like, yeah. Anyway, all right. You ready to talk some corn? We can talk Brewers quick or not? Yeah, yeah. The division clinch the division, and then the guy goes and punches the wall. Well, yeah, not, not a smart play. I'm not, glad it's the setup man and not like. Yelich or Hater or... I know, you guys were yelling about not talking about negative things, and here we are. I did, I, why wouldn't you punch with your non-pitching hand? I don't even understand why <laughs> these guys do... Like, even to shake hands after the game, I, like, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I don't think I'm shaking with my right hand. Like, you're just... Out, like, there's no way... That's like, a little bit much. Like, your moneymaker, like, you're yes. not doing well, anything with that. Like, I don't even get why a pitcher... Somebody said, like, Tom Seaver, he wouldn't even grab his luggage with his with, pitching with his hand. Pitching with his pitching hand. <laughs> I just I feel what like you would. What be, I really, what I really, I think it'd be very difficult to do. It's just yeah. natural. That's your. I your agree. Dominant your hand. dominant the, hand. The punch the wall in frustration, while stupid, I somewhat understand. The punch the wall in celebration, I really, you really <laughs> no. lose me there. I don't think it was. I I think he went out afterwards. Something happened. He got kicked out of a bar. He didn't get into a bar. Yeah. A woman. Something happened. Kind of like when had uh, nothing to do. Kind of like when Jonathan Lucroy had a boxer's break from closing his suitcase on his hand that one time. Yeah, suitcase fell on his hand. Yeah, and he had a box, a perfect boxer's break, and they're like, "Yeah, suitcase." Yeah, yeah that happens yeah. all the time. What are you talking about? Suitcase. Yeah. yeah. All right. So fair enough. They said it was in celebration in the locker room. But uh, it, I don't think it was. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of Cause sense. Because he said in the press conference he was frustrated after the game. What are you frustrated about? You just won the damn division. I think they got to start lining the uh, locker rooms with padding, <laughs> yeah. like they put do a, in gyms. Just put the like, a, like the old wrestling room. Yep, the old wrestling mats on the on the wall that way. Prevent these kind of injuries, workplace injuries that could be prevented. All right, good now. Had, good. To, had to bring good. up the negative. The Brewers clinched. That was the positive. No, I sure, just sure. couldn't uh, believe that mm-hmm. a guy would celebrate that way. And they did at home, so that's good. Yep. 
and then they lost to the Cardinals. They Again. beat them. They ended the Cardinals' streak. That That's was true. awesome. I hope the Cardinals just get hammered in the wild card <laughs> game. That's what somebody said the other day. Is like they're making this huge push to go get their butts kicked by the Dodgers. By the Dodgers, yeah. Hope so. All right. Corn is drying down very quickly. I mean, we've had like warm 80, weather, 80 wind. Today. Yeah, it's supposed to be above 80 today again. So as those numbers keep dropping, it's time to make that decision, which may not even be in your hands as everything's kind of ready. So soybeans are going. We've got corn, high moisture that was going. Now even dry corn probably starting to to peak out there. So... When it's decision time, we got to figure out what, what to do. And Bill, what do we got for us today? Yeah, I, th- I feel like a lot of our. Um, just a minute. Oh, had to get a diet, diet, diet do break. <laughs> frog in my throat there. Um, anyway, uh, I feel like a lot of our topics come from conversations that we have with farmers. And this has like been the. For me, the question I've gotten more in the last week and a half than anything, I think some of it is, like, the grain farmers probably got this figured out, but there's a lot of dairy farmers that had extra sil- had extra corn because their silage filled their pile, and we got a couple hundred acres still hanging out there, and like, well, I'm not a grain farmer. When do I go? So, you know, do I go high? They don't need high moisture, so do I go? What moisture do I go? So I don't get field loss, basically, has been the question, and had to do some thinking on that and did some research and thought it'd be a good topic because there's going to be more out there, I'm sure, people asking. Yeah. Um, and dry corn can be anything, right? We're we're not going to get it dry in the field to 15%, right, Max? You want to bet? Well, this year maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I got some stuff that's pretty close. <laughs> so in general we're not going to get it there and maybe we don't even want it there if we can help it because shelling losses yeah you're going to have shatter and and other issues just stock loss and stuff like that so i guess just want to lay out how we determine if you have this corn you test it it's at 32 how long do i wait when do i go maybe it's at 25 what do i do so um <clears throat> recommendations kind of are in that like if you have an amount, you know, a significant amount of acres, we should maybe start thinking about combining between twenty-three to twenty-five percent, twenty-four to twenty-five percent, so that a it doesn't get away from you. Once you get below twenty percent, you kind of your risk. Now, it's not always what's going to happen, but your risk of losses, stock lodging, ear rots, you know, maybe wildlife damage, and and just flat like it's too dry and it shells out on you go up so so that's kind of where the target is where did you find that magic number i've used 18 um, percent a lot is it was a, you guys think it is 20 do you think it's UW, what have you seen uw had the publication had the, so okay um i think there's a huge difference i don't think there's a huge difference from 18 to 20 i think there's a huge difference from 15 to 18 I yeah yeah, yeah. So that's like, a point yeah. so maybe it's 20 because then you're going before it hits that cliff yeah. right you don't want to fall off that cliff. right yeah. it, it really like you can tell there's a difference between 15 percent moisture corn and eight like it's i brought a world. sample into a elevator yesterday to dry it on their gack and um the guy that was there he's like you know what do you think it's at and i grabbed it and said 32 he said really and he grabbed me he said 28 i said okay and re-ran it and it was at 33 and he's like Man, you're good. And I said, 
I mean, when you shell when you shell it, yep. and you 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 know how it shells off and what it is. Yeah. And you know, I usually grab it in my hand, and then depending on the kernels that stick, you could kind of tell too. If you know, if kernels stick, then it's usually twenty eight or more. If if they don't, it's under that. And you can, yeah, you just get used to it. And that's one thing with shelling it is, it's amazing how our we got that mechanical sheller. Yep. That you know, like a you it's spin the crank wheel. and. Yep. You know that'll work great when it's like eighteen to you know uh, that. Yeah, it's it, got to be low it, enough. It shells just it'll shell. Yeah, easily, it yeah. shells just really easily off there. See, and I I like the mechanical sheller for when it's above like twenty four because when it's below twenty four, shelling it with your hands seems to be pretty. Terrible. Oh, it's easy too. But when it's above yeah. twenty four, like your <laughs> you, hands. You do like, any yeah. amount of You're shelling, like, your, your hands, hands like get blistered. blistered. You need yeah. to have kids, Max. That's what I have my kids do. Except they complain while their thumbs hurting then. Yeah. My thumbs hurt. Join the chat. Your back's going to hurt. Yeah. Uh, landscaping duty. Just want to put out a short PSA here. Tilthogrammy does not support child labor. Uh, <laughs> well, the the, the opinions of Todd Schomburg are his own, and he <laughs> has not reflect the opinion. Not reflect it, the rest of the company. No, they're getting pretty fast, actually. That's good. I'll start dropping my pails off. <laughs> yeah. Night. You dr- yeah. As you're just, driving home. We'll just you bring just them all over to Todd's house, yeah. let his kids go crazy. Got the I got the corn dryer going at home. I got one of those black folding tables, you know. Yeah. All the corn that's like twenty four percent. I got it laid out on that table so it can, you know, bake in the sun so it can be dry and I can bag Shall it. Up, you know? <laughs> there you go. I'm gonna sell it at the gas station. <laughs> we can all agree that the high moisture. We're targeting twenty eight to thirty two, right? That's pretty typical. The only spot I would say is different is in a harvester silo. Sure, I'll go yep. down to twenty five. So it depends on how yeah. you're storing it. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I would agree, Bill, is in a bag or a pile um, that much, and you, usually you want it, you don't want it too dry or it can, I don't know what the nutritionist would say, it gets in there, but it just doesn't seem like it stores as well. And if we're in that, you know, I guess we can argue exactly what percentage is, but if we're in that 20 to 25%, it's it's probably time to start combining Especially if we're getting later in the season and we realize that days are getting shorter, it's yep. colder. Yep. It isn't going to dry down to 20 if it's at 25 and it's Halloween. It's just not. Right. The later we get, the, yeah, the less it's I'd say we dry. got about 15 more days before the panic button starts to pop yeah. up. Like about October 15th, I always feel like, okay, let's like, push a little bit harder on here. Like we're getting close. Let's just do it. Yeah. Yep. And kind of rules of thumb. Um, that this publication out of UW had said was you can expect to up to a point a day in September, um, early October, that kind of switches to a half to three quarter point that you might lose. Except for today. Except for today, <laughs> early October. October gonna, 1st, 84 degrees. We're going to lose a point today. Um, once we get into, you know, late October, you know, early November, then it even cuts in half from there, a half a point to a quarter of a point. So four days to get one point hopefully you know once you get that that's a long time um and then once you get mid-november who knows and late november it's pretty much negligible late, right I mean, late november is freeze dried yeah dried and, and then by then how much have you lost due to wind and deer and just everything else so obviously the earlier in the the year it's going to dry faster because it's going to be warmer um you can also base what you expect to dry off of GDUs. So when you're at 30% corn and you want to get it, you know, from 30 to 25, it takes approximately 30 GDUs per point. Um, 
So it takes. That's an interesting number. I have not heard that, but it would make sense that. Yeah, it's like 150 GDUs to go from 30% to 25%. So you can kind of base it off GDUs. Once you get below 25, 25 to 20, then it takes more GDUs because it's probably just harder to get that moisture out. Um, Low hanging fruit, you know, maybe above 30, it's easier to get that moisture out than once you get lower. Most of that's just getting the morning dew to come off. Right. right. So, so now you're at 45 GDUs per point from 25 to 20. So that's so why it takes longer in like your October right. is just because it's not only that the you get less GDUs, but it also takes more GDUs to dry. actually dry. Yep. Yep. So that's an interesting part of that curve. Right. Right. So, and again, hit you in the face, dumb, you know, simple comment, but... Warmer, dry weather, it's going to dry home faster. Cooler, wet weather, it's going to dry slower. I mean, that's we see that in everything, right? That's yep. that's easy. Um, and just to kind of put it in perspective, uh, I, I went through um, northeast Wisconsin's next seven days um, in GDUs just to see how, like, what do we expect in the next week? Obviously, today is a big one because it's 80. We're going to get... That's October 1st. Yeah, like sorry, said. October 1st. Uh, we're going to get over 20 GDUs today, like 23 on that, you know, about. I just took the high and the low that's projected. Sure. Um, and then it goes down a little bit because we're going to hit some 60s next week. And then, But then I looked to the 10-day forecast, and by mid-next week, we're back in the 70s. So 23, 18, 12, 10, 9, and 11 GDUs are kind of the the next six, seven days. So the next seven days in northeast Wisconsin, we, we're going to get about 90 GDUs. So we're going to go, we should get three points. Uh, if your corn is 30, hopefully we'll see that jump to 27 by a week from today. Um, so that's good. That averages out to about 13 a day. So so yeah, if, you're, if your corn is at between 30 or 25%, it's going to dry down by three points. And then, like we said, if it's between 20 and 25%, it'll dry down two points in the next week. So that's something to think about is some of these are nice that you can actually project out where right. it's going to be. And, and, if you're, and if you're at 25, and, yep, we get that two points next week, so now we're down to 23, maybe, we'll, maybe we want to go because now we're into the middle part of October and, and we – Instead of a point a day, we're losing a half a point a day. So I will say though too that they've got rain forecast for the weekend, so that may that may adjust some things. Temper that as well. If we do get any any amount of rain, at, I haven't seen totals for what they're forecasting. Just a tenth or two is what I saw. This yeah, morning, so it so doesn't much. seem like it's going to be much, but it. But a tenth or two can really slow a combine down. Yep. Especially when right now the concern is beans or, or yeah. you know, that that's the other part about talking about this today is I was just talking to a farmer where we were talking about corn and he said, no, I, I, I can't even think about corn yet. I'm still doing beans. Like, yeah. And I said, yeah, it's the equivalent of the football coach telling you like play today's team, Not worry bad. about the next week's team Monday. that's better, you know, that's, you know, yeah, when, when we get to it. So, yes, please, please just. Think about beans, get beans done. And the good news is the corn. when you're in that combine pegging off those beans today and you see the dust flying and you look to the field next to you, that corn is drying just as, you know, it's it's waiting for you. Waiting for it's you. Yeah. It it's going to be ready. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Let Mother Nature do some work for you and save you on a little bit of drying cost. 
Have you guys seen this year that at black layer, corn is drier? So so technically, corn should be about 30% at black layer. And I'm seeing corn that's not even black layered yet. Yes. It might be brown layered, which is still weird. I can't explain why it did that. <laughs> but I, I've been referring to that as gray layer. Gray. Is that the... Yeah, I couldn't think of the right... I don't what know if you there is it. a right one. I I'm thought it was saying. brown. I can't remember. That. There is a color you call it. I don't I shelled some, Chartreuse layer. I shelled some yesterday, Todd, that was at whatever layer we're going to call it, and it was 33%, 32%. I mean, it was right... Right there. Right there. And it wasn't... Like, I, I think that it dried down in the field more at black layer than you think. So a lot of farmers say, okay, when it, when it hits black layer, it's ready for high moisture. This year, you better, like, right when it hits black layer, it's might it's be passed or it's ready. Yeah. So, yep. Well, another thing to watch, too, Bill, you mentioned, guys, with extra silage, you know, if they open those fields up, you're getting wind and stuff through there, you're going to see a greater drying effect than you would a, a closed-out, you know, field that still has headlands intact. So, Well, and I think, too, the other... You're right, Matt, is you get you get more exposure that's going to dry some of that down. The other thing that might hamper the dry down of these these dairy farmers that have corn left over is they didn't plant, you know, a 91-day, 94-day corn, Yeah, it is long right? maturity. It's, I think a lot of it is having to do with it's a silage-ish yeah. corn that we're yep. taking for high moisture now, and it dries very differently. differently. Yeah. Yep. So Not necessarily you, good or bad, but definitely different. different. <laughs> right. Well, even, yeah, just watching silage this year... You know, some stuff started to drop off. Then it was below a hundred day, but the above a hundred day stuff, the stock seemed to start to dry more than, and the cob wasn't moving quite as fast. And I and I even got to question one guy was packing his pile. He's like, "How does this BMR combine?" I'm like, "Well, <laughs> not, not really meant to don't be combine." Don't find out. Yeah, like let's try to take it here. Like yep. we're giving up all that digestible fiber. Um, Just go bigger, please. Yeah. I uh, lost that ability to make that decision. At, <laughs> on, with one grower this year, we're going to be combining some very leafy, flowery. Very, very excited about that. Flowery stuff might. It's not BMR. You're saying it's like a flowery genetics, yeah. leafy. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, just shelling it by hand at 22% yeah. moisture, it was like shelling 40% moisture corn. It was miserable. Yeah. So I'm going to guess the combine is not, not going to love like it. it but. Yeah. One guy did tell me that real estate going up is free. So. Just make your pile taller. No. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's, you don't what have a, room. What a thought. Just go higher. Right? <laughs> as long as you can still face it. Yeah. Yep. So I think bottom line is anytime you get in that low 20s, we should start thinking about it. You know, it's time to go. Yep. All right. So there you go. There's some thoughts to consider as you're looking to go into dry corn. And this year we're getting. Really great weather as far as that goes, so enjoy it while it lasts. So now we'll move into the spotlight for today. So today we're looking at edible plant-based vaccine studies. So basically looking at ways to use... What? Come again? Plants. What are these? Yeah, well, I think we've all probably heard of the mRNA or messenger RNA technology that was used in developing some of the COVID-19 vaccines this year. So essentially you're teaching cells to recognize and protect against diseases rather than introducing the disease itself. Like traditional one vaccines have done before you take a, you know, 
a nearly dead or just partial component of a disease. Whereas this this time you're basically giving the blueprints and saying, hey, here, take a look at this. So they're attempting to use plants for vaccine development. So uh, ideally a single plant would produce enough mRNA to vaccinate a single person. And they're testing with spinach and lettuce and have long-term goals of people growing basically their own plants that would have this DNA in it. I came across this article and I was like, this is really cool. Like, how many times... Now, Max, you know, in a handful of years, you'll have to deal with this, maybe. But, like, the three of us all have kids and we've all had to take our kids to the doctor's office. I have little brothers, I remember. It's like, is today a shot day? You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. So, how about... Hey, eat your vegetables. <laughs> I was just saying, yeah. this is going to make them hate vegetables even, <laughs> even more. more. Or, 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 or they're going to love you them. You let them get shots once, and then you say, okay, we can do this again. <laughs> or vegetables. Or eat your, eat or your, eat your head of spinach. spinach. Eat your head of lettuce. Put it in Brussels sprouts, man. Bring back Brussels sprouts. <laughs> make Brussels sprouts great again. <laughs> so, yeah, it's an interesting concept of growing your own vaccine in your garden or... What do you got in your garden? Having uh, COVID vaccine, whole fields of vaccine spinach or lettuce. My my mom actually threatened to take us to all get our flu shots once. We're yeah. being really naughty, and she's <laughs> like, "We all love this crap. We all go get flu shots right now." <laughs> so yeah, I remember. It's an interesting threat. Yes, <laughs> I probably already had one too. That was probably the worst part. <laughs> Double you up. So someday you could threaten behavior. I'm going to make you eat all your vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it kind of ties into this. I know that they just released some data on a pill, too, specifically for COVID, oh. that they're testing as an option for treatment. Ivermectin? No, no. <laughs> no horse paste. This is... <laughs> you know, I am going to see the vet later today. Maybe I can get hooked up with some Ivermectin. I'm sure that I wouldn't be the first from, time the, the vet has heard that request. From the vet, we had to get, like, heartworm pills for the dog. And before, they weren't... Which I wouldn't even notice it, not hearing that. But whatever brand they gave us before didn't have this in. But this brand now I've got has ivermectin. It's iver something and sure. yeah, iverheart. Yeah. Do you know why Bill she switched knows. brands, Bill, or not? No idea. No, no idea. It's above my pay grade. That's, that's that's what I have too. I I took a couple just to make sure. Just to make sure yeah. you were you were yeah. good. You well, you, you me uh, and Joe Rogan. <laughs> Your your doses is probably not the same yeah, as your dog. No, not even close. Mine's but probably close. Just, probably just took the whole yeah. whole pill bottle. That's fine. Mine's close. I got a big old tank of a dog. No, my dog won't get COVID now. So we're good. Lit. <laughs> All right. Now we'll move into our egg history minute for today. So we're going to talk combines or har- harvest equipment. In the early 1800s, it took an entire family all day to harvest their crop. Today, the same task takes just seconds for one man in one combine. Harvesting has become a long, or has come a long way since the days when farmers had to cut down stalks with a scythe or a cradle, called reaping, separating the kernels from the inedible chaff by beating cut stalks with a flail, threshing, and separating the kernels from the chaff, winnowing. All this took a lot of time and a lot of people. You will reap what you so sow. So reaping, threshing, winnowing, combining, combining 
all three operations into one led to the invention of the combine harvester, simply known as the combine. Considered one of the most important inventions in agriculture, the combine significantly reduced manpower and sped up the harvesting processor, or process. The combine harvester got its start in Scotland in 1826 when Reverend Patrick Bell designed a reaper, a large machine pulled by horses that used a type of scissors to cut the stalks. But Bell did not patent his invention. The first working combine was the invention of Hiram Moore and John Haskell of Kalamazoo County, Michigan, who tested it in the late 1830s, patenting it in 1836. The same year, another American, Cyrus McCormick, kind of a familiar name if you're familiar with equipment, was granted a patent for his famous mechanical reaper. Moore and Haskell's combines incorporated most of the features integral to later versions, a reciprocating sickle to cut the stalks, a reel to push the grain onto the platform, and a canvas apron or drape to deliver it to the threshing cylinder. Screens and a fan cleaned and threshed the grain. So there you go. How many times do you think that apron, canvas apron broke? Max? My grandpa told me that he used to take his up here to Seymour so the guy with all the bikes for sale on 54. Somebody else used to live there, and he used to fix the canvases on the old, really? on the old machines. Yep. Sure. So just so you guys know, if you ever need your canvases fixed, go there and then ask the guy that lives there now, and then see if he can point you in the right direction. Because <laughs> it's probably not the same guy. No. I know. It's, it's definitely not the same guy, because if my grandpa was getting canvases fixed, that was a long time ago. I know my grandpa actually had, and they got it converted to VHS, a video from... Uh, threshing back in, I don't even know what year it was, but they had the whole threshing crew. and Think about that. The upgrade was converting it to VHS. <laughs> right. I was just saying, you're going to get it into a DVD now? I, I don't know where it is. I I hope somebody does, but yeah, we should definitely. And and deep, and getting it upgraded to a DVD would even be outdated now. So The coolest part is that they, that they uh, refer to this as the Reaper. That's just my favorite part of the whole story. Don't fear the Reaper, Bill. What does the Reaper make you think of, Bill? More cowbell. (laughs) Stop, Bruce. I'm sorry. Could you come back in there, please? Fellas. No. We we just wasted two good tracks. This last one was even better than the first. Well, it's just that I find Gene's cowbell playing distracted. I don't know. If I'm the only one, I'll shut up. No, it's pretty rough. You know, I can pull it back a little if you like. Not too much, though. I'm telling you, fellas, you're going to want that cowbell on the track. You know what? It's fine. Let's just do this. I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Do they ever say "Don't fear the reaper" in the skit? Like I don't think they ever make no, it. That no, no, they, no. All right, okay. Just to say every time through, I'm like, when are they going to make it through it? And then, but they yeah, don't get they, that. It's just far the out. name of the Blue Oyster Cult song yeah. is yeah. "Don't Fear the Reaper." It's my favorite post, like Adam Sandler ish era Saturday Night Live skit. It is a good one. Fearing the reaper. Don't fear the reaper. That's what the grain does. It does. Fears the reaper. All right. If you like what you're hearing and you fear the reaper, please subscribe to our podcast and tell a farmer friend. You can search Tilth Talk Radio on Apple Podcasts or on Android 
you can download Podcast Addict, Podbean, or Player FM, or whatever your, your other favorite app is and search Tilt Talk Radio. You can also listen on a browser, so on your smartphone or computer, go to tiltheg.com slash podcast. And Matt, where can they follow us? You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. All right, let's wrap things up then with Cool Beans That's Corny. So Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Our Cool Beans this week, Wisconsin wins the 4-H Dairy Judging Contest. So Wisconsin earned top honors in the National 4-H Dairy Cattle Judging Contest at the 2021 World Dairy Expo. Wisconsin team has won for the fourth consecutive year. The 2021 team is comprised of Jenna Grease, Lauren Seamers, Clarissa Ulnis, and Emma Voss. The team was coached by Paul Seamers and Angie Ulnis. Second place by a margin of 15 points was the Florida team of Nicholas Hammer, Austin Holcomb, Julie Hedgecoop, and Savannah Rice. So pretty cool that Wisconsin's taking the top. I am a little surprised that Florida is number two, but yeah, I would have thought like New York with Cornell. It says New York's right. number three. Three. But yeah, so maybe that was an upset there. Yeah, it was Wisconsin, Florida, New York, Ohio, and Maryland wrapped up around the top five. You know, I don't think Florida has a ton of huge like dairy farms. Is my guess. I've n- I've been to Florida many times. I've never seen one. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bunch of like you know smaller genetics operations there that you know maybe they can. You know, on the dairy judging side, they got that figured out a little more. You know what I mean? Florida's got enough cows, though. so I'm then, sure they do, but I'm just saying, like, you come to Wisconsin, you don't have to drive very far, and you see yeah. a big farm. I've driven through a lot of Florida and never seen a dairy farm. Did you guys ever do dairy judging? Max, Max in high school, we had, did it in a class, but not yeah. really. I did the, like, I remember doing activities around it, but yep. not, like, a, it was never on a team doing it. I was terrible at it. I was terrible. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. No, I was no good. I'll, I'll tell you what. I go to the dairy show and I judge. <laughs> but, like, I don't get paid or nobody listens to what I have to say. Like, I just I just judge on my own in the bleachers. And he's judging individuals, not animals. So, there's a difference. <laughs> he's judging. Can you believe he wore those shoes? I mean, just unreal. <laughs> he's supposed to wear a belt and showmanship. What's going on in here? Oh, my With God. its dairy expo <laughs> week. So, it's a good yeah. week to talk about yeah, judging. That was like my first start of like, I'm not a cow guy. I need to go well, crop crop. Especially when it was like, <laughs> give, I suck at this. Give Goral reasons, yeah. and you're like, I don't, I don't know. That one just looks better than that one. I don't. Know. What do you need me to reason? It's got a nice people. top line. Yeah. I like the bag. <laughs> yeah. uh, looks, furthermore, looks good. I had used furthermore way too many. Furthermore, times. yes. So uh, just got some nice hawks on that one. I don't know. It's like in the movie uh, Napoleon Dynamite. And they're doing the dairy judging. You guys remember that? That's yep. dairy products judging, wasn't it? Well, he, he he's doing a dairy judging. They're like he's like, "What's wrong with this cow?" And it's only got uh, three teats. <laughs> and he goes, "You see that little guy there? It's no good." <laughs> <laughs> or is there four? Is there four? And then there's a fifth one. I don't remember. Either, there's either three, and there's the fourth one's really small, or there's five, and the fifth one's really. I'm just small. guessing, but that's not going to beat Florida. No, given that not. reason, Florida's not even the top ten in number of cattle. No. No, and what else is crazy is California is like number one, and they aren't even in the top ten. Happy cows teams don't actually come from California. Of judging, so they don't care. Mm. No more happy cows. All right, our that's corny for this week. USDA reports a record small oat crop. 
which not I guess shocking, not in, right? yeah, not really a surprise, but um, I I would say oats for grain, yes, but oats in cover crops. I mean, True. there's probably a lot more utilization of oats. We probably have a higher demand and a lower supply, really. I mean, well, I guess you don't need to harvest as much as for planting, but you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't, there's very few guys that we know that are harvesting oats, but you know, a lot of guys who are planting them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even if you are harvesting them, I wonder how many guys are keeping it for their own seed sure. versus putting them in the market. So USDA says 2021 oat crop was the smallest on record at 39.836 million bushels, which is 39% less than 2020. Holy bucket. I think it shows how much wheat wasn't planted in the fall of 19 and into 20. Yeah, yep. Because it says Wisconsin specifically, record low 3.7 million bushels compared to 8.25 million in 2020. I wonder what 2019's was. I bet you it wasn't 8.25 million. No. I bet you it was way lower than that. But yeah, well, nobody got weed in, and they're like, right. we need straw. Yeah, we'll just okay. throw the oats out there. And then Wisconsin yeah. had 61,000 acres of oats in 20, this year, and in 2020, it was 131,000. So, so it was literally more than, more than double the acres. And the yield, it says, is the same at averaged 62 bushels. Right, across the last couple of years, Sam. You just better have enough for Max's oatmeal. <laughs> yeah. With the... With yeah, the, apparently we're not eating enough oatmeal. With the dino eggs, baby. <laughs> How do you grow those in the field? Uh, that's well, I just eat the oatmeal, man. I'm not. The dino eggs are cool though. They disappear they as you as you eat eat. Well, as you heat the okay, like it starts out as an egg, and then when you microwave it, dinosaurs yeah. hatch out of said eggs. I'm a total child. Like if I eat oatmeal, it's like it's, dino it's eggs from the packets. Like, yeah, it's not. Yeah, Max has the same taste as my six year old. I'm not in the. Uh, I'm not in the Quaker oats. You're not buying raisins. the big circular. Dude, my dad cylinder. does that all the time, and I'm like, get that oh, I love those. junk out of here. Get some rolled oats. Awesome. Healthy for you. Sierra likes the rolled oats. She's all about that. Mm. Jesus. No, the I'm I'm dino eggs. Not a not a Quaker and craisins guy. <laughs> Never had dino eggs. You're uh, missing out. You are missing out. I think you can only get them in like the cinnamon flavor too, isn't it? Like apple cinnamon or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. It's the only only flavor you get. The dinosaur it's a good eggs flavor. In. Yeah, no, it's not bad. All I'll right, re- I'll report when I when I go to the store. When you go to the store, I'll report back how the dino eggs were. So if you've never had them, that means your kids probably have never had them. Hundred percent. So it's gonna be a big them. weekend in the Schaumburg household. <laughs> Clearing some new ground there. All right, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So we talked tips on dry corn harvest, egg history, or our spotlight. We looked at edible plant-based vaccines, egg history minute. We talked the brief history of the combine, and cool beans was Wisconsin wins the 4-H dairy judging contest. That's corny is record small oat crop for 2021. So thank you for listening, and as always, happy farming.